Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. How are you guys doing? Hopefully better than him. It's good to be with you guys to start uh, the new year. I hope it's going incredibly well for you. I am, I'm not just saying this because you think I'm supposed to. I am so excited that your leadership team decided to do a 21-day reset again this year. And it's happening, like Pastor Jonathan said, it's happening all over the nation. And this is a beautiful thing, right? Because we serve the God of the first, the first fruits. When we give him our first and when we give him our best, it is amazing how he starts to multiply that in your lives. And I want that for you guys. And I've also, for about the last five years, been in one way or another participating in this 21-day prayer and fasting um, moments that we have. And it has been such a game changer for me and my family and so my anticipation for this next 21 days is through the roof for what God's going to do in my life, my family's life. But also I have been praying for you guys, Hills Church, for the breakthroughs that are going to come in your guys's life. And so I just want to jump again right into the message and to set the stage for where I'm going with the message uh, to kick this series off. I want to let an 11 time NBA all-star and Hall of Famer, I want to let him set the stage for what we're going to talk about today. This is a press conference he did a bunch of years ago that went viral after he skipped practice during a really important time of playoffs. Watch this. About practice. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not, not, Not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? Man, we're talking about practice. I know I'm supposed to be there. I know I'm supposed to lead by example. I know that. And I'm not, I'm not shoving it aside, you know, like it don't mean anything. I know it's important. I do. I honestly do. But we're talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? We're talking about practice, man. We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game. We're talking about practice, man. When you come in the arena and you see me play, you see me play, don't you? Absolutely. You see me give everything I got, right? Absolutely. But we're talking about practice right now. We're talking about practice. Man, I look, I hear you. I, it's funny to me, too. I mean, it's strange, it's strange to me, too. But we're talking about practice, man. We're not even talking about the game, the actual game, it when it matters. We're talking about practice. Alan, is it possible, though, that from where he's coming from? <laughs> so, if you're taking notes this morning, the title of today's message is, We Talking About Practice. Here's why. Jesus talked about practice. And he talked about it a lot. And he didn't just talk about practice at any point in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, arguably and probably the single most important sermon that has ever been given in the history of the world that tells us more than anything about the kingdom of God than we could ever get up here and preach ourselves. Jesus, right in the heart of the message, in, in like the, the meat part of the message, Jesus just starts flat out talking about practice. 
In 2020, I had no clue like you guys did in January of 2020 that we would uh, have this coronavirus take over the planet and virtually shut it down for a season. But I decided in January that I wanted my, my prayer game to go to another level. And, and so I just do what you do, right? I was like, I gotta, I gotta practice it. That's the only way you get better is you practice. And so I signed up for something I'd wanted to do for a long time. I signed up to take a prayer school from a, a teacher that I really greatly respect who had been praying for decades longer than I have and I signed up for it and it was three nights and it was for three hours online and it was a game changer for me. It was a catalyst for me in my prayer life and one of the things that I will never forget was in the first couple minutes of the first session, the guy just stopped and very calmly he just looked at us and he said this and, and I'm gonna tell you ahead of time before I quote him, this is gonna sound so simple, almost like duh, But something clicked in me when he said this, and this has enhanced and enriched my prayer life on so many levels. He said this, he says, prayer is not getting God to do what you want God to do. And if there's ever a time we need to hear that, it's in the new year when we're so expectant and excited and can't wait for what God's all gonna do and none of that is bad and wrong. But he said, the ultimate purpose of prayer is not getting God to do what you want him to do. The purpose of prayer is to let God form you. That was such a catalyst for me and such a game changer because how many of you guys know that for every time God just answers a prayer immediately, there's a hundred times where it is slow and it takes perseverance and it takes faith and it takes trust and it takes this thing called hope that you anchor yourself in, right? Like it is, ama- I love as much as you guys when, when you pray something big or small and in just moments, God answers that prayer. It's exhilarating, it's fun, it's exciting, but that is the exception, is it not, to prayer? It's the rule. What keeps me excited and hungry in my prayer life is the fact that no matter what God answers, whether he says yes to me, whether he says no, whether he says, hold on, not yet, no matter what the answer is, every time I get alone and I practice the presence of God in prayer or like we're doing in fasting, every time I do that, I can rest assured he is forming me more into his original intent of what he purposed for me when he fashioned me together in my mother's womb. There's a little bit more of the kingdom of God that is filling Chad Brugman up When I am praying, I am always being formed no matter what the answer is. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to where Jesus just, just, just relentlessly talks about this thing called practice. It's Matthew chapter six. Pastor Jonathan already mentioned one of the, probably the most famous verse in this chapter. Seek me first, Jesus says. This is his concluding thoughts. Seek me first in what? My kingdom. And everything else will be added unto you. He goes on and he starts in verse one to say this. He says, be careful, Hills Church, not to, here's the word, practice, because we talking about practice. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. And notice Jesus isn't suggesting practice here. He's not saying if you consider it or if you do it, he's just assuming, because here's the deal. As disciples of Christ, there's a a word that's synonymous with disciple. It's interchangeable. It's the same thing. If you're here, and I think the reason you showed up this morning is because you want to follow Jesus. You want to be a disciple of Christ. You want to embrace the way of Christ, right? That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. Well, if you're a disciple, you are also this. You are a practitioner, right? Right? 
Just like doctors are practitioners of medicine, we've seen now for several thousand years the practice of medicine. And is it not amazing the evolution of the medical breakthroughs in the last several thousand years? The time we are living on planet Earth right now, there is so much common grace that we get to have that people hundreds and thousands of years ago never had because they hadn't had as much practice in the area of medicine as we've now had. These doctors just keep getting up every day and they go and practice medicine. And with that comes depth and understanding and evolution. And with that comes grace and mercy for our physical bodies. Lawyers are practitioners of law. Educators are practitioners of knowledge and understanding and the evolution of knowledge and understanding. Scientists are practitioners of the universe and the rules and the laws of the universe. And we keep evolving and understanding more about the depths and the riches and the beauty of the universe. If you are a disciple of Christ, the reason this 21 day reset is the best thing we can do to start January is because it's about practice. We as Jesus people are practitioners of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus just starts talking about the kingdom of God. And you'll notice as he's talking, all of the areas of practice have next to nothing to do with your practical day-to-day life. It has everything to do with your heart. Because the kingdom of God is an inside-out proposition. The kingdom of God always starts from the heart and everything else flows out of the heart. And so he goes on to say in verse 2, when you give to the needy. So the first spiritual practice he's going to talk about is one that's so important to your faith. This is what spiritual practitioners do. We are givers to the needy. We are generous people as disciples of Christ. He says, so when you give to the needy, though, let's talk motive. Because when it's a heart issue, motive matters. Motive, motive even matters more than method. He says, when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets. That's what the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street corners. And here's their motive. They just want to be honored by man and by others. They want clout. They want power. They want authority. They want a, applause, something we're all tempted to, to run after. And Jesus says, don't run after that. He goes, I tell you the truth. They've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be, here's the word, this is a key one for 2023, secret. And he who sees God, what is done in secret, will reward you. And Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Lindsay, I know this from from a lot of time spent talking uh, with them and Jonathan and I going back and forth, mostly on the phone, just talking about this church. They desperately want God's reward for you in 2023. They want it for themselves. They want it for their family. I want the reward of God. And I can't tell you what the reward of God is going to look like for you this year. That's above my pay grade. That's an issue of sovereignty that I don't know. But here's what I know. There's got to be nothing better in life than to literally live in the reward of God. And what God says through Jesus is simply this. It's going to be found in the secret places, not the public squares, not with all you're going to go out and try and do and and accomplish and be this year. It's going to be found in the secret place. And now he goes from giving to praying. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand praying in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. He says this, he says, here's the truth. Truly, I tell you, here's Hills Church, they have received their reward in full. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Listen to this. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. And then he says something really interesting. He says, do not be like them. And here's why. Your father already knows what you need before you even ask him. That verse used to bother me. Like, why do we even pray then? Prayer takes energy. Prayer takes time. There's a little bit of sweat equity that goes into prayer when you're doing it right. Is there not? Prayer takes first like a muscle. It takes some, some working out to, to learn the art and the science and the beauty and the practice of enjoying the presence of God. If you already know, it almost sounds like you're playing a, a silly trick on us, God, if you already know what we need. But do you remember what I said earlier? Prayer is not getting God to do what you want God to do. He already knows what you need him to do. Prayer is letting God form you. Letting God form your heart. He goes on, and all Cliff notes this, he goes on next to talk about possibly the most difficult yet most beautiful spiritual discipline of all of them. He starts to talk about forgiveness. It's a key to your year this year. It's a key to 2023 being full of freedom and being full of making space. Unforgiveness takes up almost more heart space than anything else you will experience in this lifetime. You only have so much space in your heart. This is why Jesus is always coming back to the care and the posture of your heart because it's like a computer. It's like a hard drive. It only has so many bytes that it can store, right? And you know how much unforgiveness holds? It's like megabytes worth of your heart when you don't forgive. This is why forgiving is not just this beautiful act of kindness to the enemy or to the perpetrator. It's this grace back to you when you forgive. And then he goes on next and he talks about something that's key to our 21 day reset. He goes on next to talk about fasting and he says, listen, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to disfigure their faces. They love to slouch over and look super weak so that people ask them what's wrong and that, well, I'm just, you know, for the glory of God, I'm not eating. I haven't had a meal in six days and I'm planning on doing a 40 day fast and I'm just really weak right now. Thank you for noticing, Prolesca. And everyone's like, whoa, you're so spiritual. You're so amazing. So incredible. Jesus says, don't do that because you'll receive your reward in full, which was a bunch of people will think you're super spiritual. They'll be intimidated by you. At some point because of sin, you will deeply fail them and you will hurt their faith deeply because of how much you were trying to act like a hypocrite. So just do this. When you fast, he says, put oil on your face. Don't forget to smile. Put your shoulders back. I will give you in that fast the supernatural strength that you need while you are denying your flesh some things. This is the beauty of fasting. This is why we do it is because the flesh, the Bible says, brings death and the spirit brings life. And when you are purposely removing something that is fleshly to you out of your life and adding and making space for the spirit, the Bible guarantees it. It's like more life is gonna come in and less death is gonna be a part of this thing right here, the heart. So he says, when you fast, don't, don't let people know, just do it in secret. And then he goes on to say the same thing again. What your father sees you do in secret, he will reward you. And again, I desperately want reward for every single person right now within the sound of my voice. He then says something real interesting, another spiritual discipline that, that, that I'm trying to grow in. And this one's hard for me, but I, he says, don't store up for yourselves a bunch of treasures on earth. Because at some point, they're just materials. The moth will eat it and destroy it, and you'll need a new one. Or it'll rust. If it's, a, if it's a metal material, it'll eventually rust, and you'll have to have a new one. It doesn't matter how cool it was or how cutting edge it was. Eventually, it's just going to rust because it's a material thing. It, it can't change or affect your heart. He says this in that passage when he says, don't store up. He says, store it for yourselves treasures in heaven. 
That's what you're doing when you're praying. That's what you're doing when you're fasting. That's what you're doing when you're giving. That's what you're doing when you're forgiving. You're storing up treasures in heaven. He says, moth can't destroy anything there. Moth can't touch your heart. Rust can't touch your heart when your heart is full of the Holy Spirit. So give your attention to your heart. And he even goes on to bring up the heart in this passage where he says, don't. He says, here's the reason you want to simplify your life in 2023, not just be obsessed with adding material things to it. He says, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart's like a hard drive. Your heart has only so much space to give attention to things. So if you're obsessed with the obtaining of more and more material stuff, if that's your big obsession in 2023, if that's the, the main theme of your goals, Jesus says you're going to drown out the work of the spirit that is going to in the long game matter so much more to you than the new trinket. We have a rule in my house because I've told you this before and I'll tell you again because it's therapeutic for me when I'm away for the family. We have four kids and that's just too many. Maybe some of you are great. I'm not a good steward of four kids, but I'm trying. But one of the rules that we had to make several years ago because birthdays, Christmas, the grandparents, before you know it, your house is just full of toys and they use like a third of them maybe, right? And so we have a rule when there's new toys, old ones go out. We just had Christmas with four kids. My son will have a birthday in a few days from now. He'll turn 17. So there's just a bunch of new stuff that entered the Brugman family. So when I get on a plane after today and I fly back home, my wife knows that on Tuesday when the kids are at school, we'll be walking from room to room with buckets and we'll just be taking toys out that they never use. And we will make the most blessed trip down to the Goodwill to get rid of those things so someone else can have them. Why? Because there's only so much space in our house. And the more we just keep accruing things, the more we take up space for more holy and good things and things to, to, to bring order out of chaos. Jesus is saying it's the same when you store things up, so, so don't do that. There's this moment in the Gospels that I love. Matthew 16 is one of those moments, but you can find it in multiple Gospels where the disciples... They're like been doing it for a little bit now. They've been hanging around Jesus for a little while now. And Jesus kept saying, I want you to be my disciples, my protégés. With the connotation that, hey, you're going to do some of the things I do. But yet they hadn't been really empowered to do the things they had been watching Jesus do, right? Awesome things. Multiply food, turn water into wine, cast out demons, raise the dead, heal the sick with spoken words. He's like, you're going to do these things too in my name. And they're like, you know, here would have been their theme song of the season. Put me in coach. I'm ready to play. Right. They're not thinking about practice. Jesus is obsessed with these disciples. Just keep following me. Practice by osmosis. Just keep following me. Just keep near to me. Just stay close to me. And eventually you'll be ready. But how you do in the game is completely correlated with what you do when no one's looking, how you are in practice. And there's this point where Jesus looks at them and says, all right, guys, it's time. And they're like, yes. And they're all excited and they're pumped. We finally get empowered to go out and do what we've watched our coach do for so long. Listen, and Jesus, Jesus sends them out and he says, two by two, why don't you guys go out and start doing the things I've done? And they go, and I'm not sure the time frame, but I know this, they come back and they're dejected. And they're a little embarrassed. And I'm sure they're, feeling some shame unnecessarily, but they're feeling some shame. And Jesus, even though he knows everything, he asks them, hey guys, how'd it go? Talk to me, let's debrief. How was your ministry time? And I'm sure it was Peter. I can't remember. I'm sure it was Peter because he always talked. He always spoke up. It was like, yeah, uh, coach, everything you do, yeah, we couldn't do any of it. <laughs> and they're like, why? 
And Jesus says something real simple, but I think it's powerful for us to start 2023. Jesus looks at him and goes, yeah, guys, here's, here's the truth. There's just certain things that can only happen with practice. Here's how he said it. He goes, there's certain things that only come out through prayer and fasting. We're not doing this to look spiritual at Hills Church this month. We're not doing this to make anyone feel guilty in this room. We're not doing this because we think we're gonna make God pleased or we're gonna, he's gonna have a, a, like a teacher, like a, a roll sheet to see if we've prayed enough this week or this month or fasted enough. Jesus said, when you pray, when you work on that heart thing, when you let me form you, power starts to come in. It is a guaranteed byproduct. So when you start to pray, when you start to fast, when you remove fleshly things out of the way to let your spirit get built up, you are making room for miracles and you deserve breakthrough this year. Your family deserves breakthrough this year. Your marriage deserves breakthrough this year. Some of you have been in some incredibly difficult financial times. Your, your, your pocketbooks deserve breakthrough this year. And the temptation is hashtag hustle and grind 2023. I'm ready for it. Let's go. And I'm all about a little bit of hustle and grind, but not if it's at the expense of what's happening in the secret place in your heart. I've watched God in seasons where I have dedicated uh, to the cultivation of my heart more than to the hustle of the, the grind of the American dream. And I have watched God not only form my heart better, but add everything to me and the Brugman family that we needed. And then oftentimes even added in a little bonus stuff. I've just watched him to, to do that. He says there are certain things that only come out through prayer and only come out through fasting. When I was a, a little kid, I had two loves, ice cream and baseball. I told my wife, babe, you're my third love. <laughs> That's changed. In, in 19 years, I wrote her a letter a couple years ago and I said, I officially love you more than baseball and ice cream now. We're gonna make it. So this is a big deal. But my first love long before my wife was even a thought in my mind probably before she was even born, right? Like my, my love for ice cream and baseball. I ate, slept, drink, and breathed baseball. Like there was just something about it. It didn't feel like work for me. It didn't ever feel like uh, anything arduous for me. I just could, I would have played it year round if they would have had seasons back then, year round. I loved practice. I loved putting on the uniforms. I took that so serious, it drove my parents nuts. I would wanna wear my uniform for hours after the game, no matter how dirty I got, just because I loved baseball that much. And I, I played out here when I lived as a kid in California and, and I, I, I thrived actually. There was even a year where they bumped me up into a league of older kids to, to allow me to, to grow a little bit more. I was thriving out here. And then as a teenager, my freshman year, we moved to, to Missouri. And I guess there's some big old farm boys there. And it was a little different competition. And I tried out for the freshman team. And I'll be honest, I was a little bit cocky because I was kind of, uh, I was kind of really thriving in the leagues in California. And I go there and I don't make the team. Devastated. It's the first and only time I think I've ever sat like um, laying on my dad's lap and bawling. You would have thought like the best girl in the history of the world dumped me or something. Like it wasn't that, it was baseball, my first love. And I was bawling and I was devastated. And so I did what we often do when we come up against tough times. I spent a season whining, victim, woe is me. Come on, we know. It. And then something in me just said, well, you, you don't waste your time doing that. You love baseball. And so I just made this decision as a teenage kid. And I just think it was the grace of God that I made this decision, but I just, I found some batting cages. 
And I just started, when all my friends were actually getting to play in the game, I just started going to the batting cages and I just started hundreds after hundreds a day sometimes, hundreds of hits, hundreds of hits. And then I had a tee in my backyard. Some of you guys, you have this, I had a tee like this and it had the net and I would just swing and hit. No fans, no score sheet, no uniforms, no trophies, no walk-up anthem music that gets the crowd going. No one cheering for you, clapping for you. No all state or all city or all district awards. No competition, just me and a lame little bat and a ball and a tee by myself. And I thousands and thousands and thousands of times my freshman year just kept hitting, just kept working on my hand-eye coordination, just kept working on my hip flexibility, just kept working on my bat speed. I just kept working on muscle memory. This is what spiritual practice is, y'all. It's holy muscle memory. Because the, the truth is, what you do in the game is just reflective of what you've been in practice when no one's looking. The game of life does not make you who you are. It just reveals who you are. Practice is what makes you who you are. Practice sets you up to be responsive in the appropriate way when the game of life is coming at you, when the other team is attacking you when the schemes of life and the enemy of life is coming after you, practice is simply what you do when no one's looking and there aren't schemes and there aren't problems. This is why we get away in secret, safe places that Jesus talks about. There's something so safe about the secret place you have when you pray with him. There's a lot of times in life, a lot of moments in life where I feel scared, but it's something amazing happens when I get alone in my quiet place, my batting cage with God, and I just work on muscle memory with him. I just speak the word of God over my life over and over and over, and there's no one watching. I'm not telling anyone I'm praying. There's no fans. There's no one cheering for me. My kids aren't like staring at me in my prayer closet going, you're such a spiritual, amazing dad. We will follow you anywhere. Best father ever. None of that's happening. It's just me and my creator working on muscle memory. So when worry starts to creep in, I've practiced that. When fear is trying to win the day, I've got muscle memory for that. When anxiety is taking over because something's happening in life, I got muscle memory for that. My sophomore year, I made the team barely made the JV team. I batted eighth out of nine players. I was thrilled because I was on the team again. And my passion for the batting cage and the tees just got stronger. My junior year, I made varsity and I played catcher my whole life. And the, the senior catcher ahead of me, they moved to first base so I could start as catcher and I batted sixth my junior year. My senior year, I batted cleanup the oh-so-coveted cleanup spot. And I led the team in RBIs. And this sounds like such a gross brag right now. Come on, who cares? I'm a, I'm a boring, nerdy dad. I didn't get close to being in the pros. Nothing was that. I just learned a lesson about being the best version of myself that I could be. I led the team in the batting average. I was second in home runs. I was all state. I was all district. I was all city. I started for the all-star game at catcher. All these things that my freshman year, you would have said was over. And I promise you this, the only reason, I was by far, I, I thought about this this week because of the message. I was truly, this is truly, I was truly probably the seventh most talented baseball player on our team. And yet my team voted me the most valuable player and my stats backed it up. 
Seventh most talented. What came from it? Practice. We talking about practice this year. I'm telling you, it makes you who you are in the game because that's where you're formed. T's, you guys, how many of you had kids at some point? Some of you might have them right now that played T-ball. You guys remember? That's like the training wheels when you have on a bike. That's the same, the T-ball. This is how five-year-olds and six-year-olds start learning baseball. They don't have a pitcher. They go up there and they hit off a tee, right? Can I tell you who else hits off of a tee besides five and six-year-olds? Professional players. <laughs> the greatest guys on planet earth at the game of baseball. If you go to their spring training, not during the games when all the fans there, or if you watch them in their own personal off-season workouts with their trainers, guess what you'll see more than anything else? Them with a tee and a net. Over, 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 over. The same thing they started with when they were five or six years old, never went out of fashion. It never went out of style. The batting cage I thought was all about baseball, but now as I'm older, I look back and go, God, you were teaching me about the secret place. You were teaching me about being better when no one's looking than when people are looking. And listen to me, I got a long way to go, y'all. Lest you think I've got, a, I'm up here and I'm the, the, the guru and I've figured all this out. I'm a, I feel like a freshman still with spiritual practices. But I'll tell you this much, I am bought in and committed to the secret place because that is where the reward of God is found. It will not be convenient for you this year to pray for 21 days with an added emphasis and you will not regret it. It will not be convenient for you to take something in your life fleshly that consumes a lot of your heart, space and time and say for 21 days, I'm just gonna remove it and we'll re-up on what that is when we get done. But for 21 days, I'm just going to give God as much heart space as I possibly can and see how he wants to reward that, see what he wants to do with that, see what kind of formation can come. It will not be easy. It will come with some sweat equity. It will come with some degrees of trust. It will be inconvenient. You're gonna have to rearrange a few things and I promise you, Hills Church, you will not regret it. And think if we all do this corporately, the beauty that can come this year. Think about it. That's what gets me fired up. There's gonna be a reward for this church together corporately, not just you individually, but when we all come together individually, there is gonna be an added blessing to what takes place at this church week in and week out. Miracles happening, salvations taking place, discipleship and formation going to whole new levels. And it won't be because of talent or skill or aesthetics or buildings or equipment or talent or gift. It won't be from anything other than we sought the kingdom of God first and he's starting to add things unto us and adding things. When God adds things, it's exhilarating. It's exciting. It's life-giving. And he wants that for you. And so I end simply with this because we're gonna do something even more important right now than the message. We're gonna commune together, honor Jesus, and we're gonna do a time of ministry for any of you and all of you who need it. But I just wanna end by praying the blessing that God asks us to pray because this is God's heart for you in 2023. God, I pray the next 365 days that you would bless every single person in this room. God, that you would keep them in the grip of your grace, that you would cause your face to shine upon us in this room. 
God, I ask that you'd be radically gracious to each and every one of us. Turn your countenance towards us this year, God. And may we go forth, no matter what comes our way this year, may we go forth this year with the peace that passes understanding. We pray this name. We pray this prayer, excuse me, in the name of Jesus. And all my friends said, I love you guys. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.